Jeff, do you want to talk about the length of your Cyclops anymore or? Trying to force it, funny. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clever Kids Podcast, a weekly pop culture podcast where three brothers take a look at, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever we want to look at. <laughs> this week we're kind of doing a best of 2020. Um, so it's going to be a big, heavily recommendations episode. It's probably going to be a lot of spoilers. Uh, so just be aware of that right up front. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-hosts and brothers, Brian. Yo, yo. How's it going, guys? And Jeffrey. How's everyone doing today? Well, I'm doing well. I never answer your questions when you guys say that, but uh, I, I am doing okay. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so we're going to jump right into it. 2020 was kind of a weird year, I think. Um, I guess you could kind of look at this as like an awards show, I guess maybe every year if we make this a yearly or podcast that lasts into another full year, uh, every year we can look back at the year previous and kind of do an awards type topic where we'll each go through um, and kind of decide what we liked best and what we didn't like from uh, the year previous. Um, this year, most movies uh, got pushed back or got locked behind paywalls, or, you know, just didn't come out at all, or studios only released their bad movies. Um, so it's kind of a weird one, but I think there's still enough for us to go on here. So um, we'll just get into it. The first topic that we went with is uh, best movie of 2020. We're just gonna start off with the bang. Um, who wants to go first, Jeff? Sure. What what did you put for your best movie? I I said the the two best films. I had I had the best film and then I had a runner up. But uh, I said the best film this year was Soul. I think, I think it's Pixar's Soul is is what I chose. Um, yeah, I think yeah. Pixar Disney movies do a really great job of uh, pulling on heartstrings on familial connections. Like Big Hero Six has like a a brother connection and. You know, Lion King has a father-son connection, and there's all these different familiar connections that these movies kind of gravitate towards. One strong connection, and that is kind of the core of the film as other subplots happen. And Soul was uh, more about you know a guy's finding his you know reason to live, and it's more about appreciating the beauty of just existence. And um, I think it resonates with everyone. You don't have to have a sibling to be able to you know cry at the end of this film. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I think it's better. Uh, well, we're gonna get into it in a second, Brian. Uh, did he want to say what your your best was? Yeah, he recommended it to me, so I can't blame him for taking it. Um, I also put Soul down. Um, it might be a little bit of recency bias since it came here right at the end of the year, um, but uh, it's a great movie. I, you know, and like like you said, uh, anyone that has a life, which would be everyone, um, can appreciate the messaging behind the film. You don't have to fit into a certain niche in order to like relate to the character. So I, I thought it was uh, really well made. I thought it was, uh, they did a really clever job of avoiding religion um, in it. I mean, there's, you know, the, the journey of the soul and moving onwards and like the place that he's trying to avoid is you could just call it heaven if you want, but at the same time, they don't really refer to it that way. And they do a good job of dodging it being a religious movie. And it's just more of like, um, just the process that your soul undertakes after death. And I, I thought they did a really good job of staying really high level with it. Um, and I also really liked um, 
how they tied in the uh, the homeless crazy guy as, as somebody that actually has some meaning and purpose, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I really enjoyed his character. So, um, yeah, a great great film, and, and it might be a little recency bias, but uh, you got to go see it if you haven't. I'm going to go ahead and round this out, and it uh, should come as no surprise to these other two. My number one pick was also uh, The Invisible Man, actually. But my <laughs> runner-up was Soul. I'm not lying. My runner-up was Soul. And I only put Soul second because of that that recency. Like, you know, that is so... Like, I watched it so recently. But I really loved Soul. Like, the whole time, I was like, man, this is... And, like, the way they mix different styles of animation throughout, like, with... I, and also, I... Watching the trailers, I thought a lot more of the movie was going to take place with them as like the little blue ghost creatures or whatever. Um, and uh, when they went back to Earth, and there's an interesting thing that I thought about though, like they put Tina Fey in the black man's body, and I was like, is this animated blackface? I don't know how I feel about this. This is a bit weird, but uh, I uh, I still really, really, I really loved it. I really loved it. I mean, it was either like I was wavering on whether I was going to put that as my number one, um, but I did choose The Invisible Man uh, because it's, you know, I'm not really a horror guy or I haven't been for most of my life, but recently I've been really loving what horror, the horror genre has become, which is more of a psychological thriller type uh, feeling. Um, and The Invisible Man was just kind of a nonstop thrill ride the is whole that, time. Is that the, the one with that, the boyfriend that's crazy and can turn himself into yeah, bullshit? I haven't seen that yeah. yet. I I Dude, that. it's on HBO Max. It's really, really, really good. I think I recommended it to Jeff on an episode when you were out. But um, I really, I genuinely loved it. I thought it was really good. And the way that the director, did you guys watch Upgrade? No. Is it, uh, which, um, anyway. It's an Australian director. He uh, he's really I can't remember his name right now, but um, he's been doing really interesting genre stuff, like low budget genre stuff that still looks really, really, really good. And this is no exception. Like the way that he plays with space in a room, where like the camera will follow Elizabeth Moss as she walks through a room, and then she'll stop, and the camera will keep moving as if it's following someone else, but there's no one there. So it makes you wonder anytime you're in a room, if the invisible man is also in that room, because you never know. Sometimes shit will just happen while she's not paying attention. And sometimes nothing will happen. But the whole time you're like looking all over the place to see like, is he there? Is he there? Like it was, it was just really good. It Like you can't take your eyes off of it. It was one of the few movies I watched from home uh, this year and did not pick up my phone once during the whole, the whole thing, because I couldn't stop watching because I wanted to, pick up the little details you know um and I, I just really enjoyed it i can't i can't recommend it enough so it, and that was a movie that came out in like january i think um so uh you know that was a really good one and then i had one more runner-up which is palm springs to andy sandberg and uh the mother from how i met your mother Kristen malati i think her name is uh com like time travel groundhog day style comedy that was on hulu i just really liked that movie i've watched it twice it's really good. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. Uh, I'm not going to go into it any further than that. Uh, who wants to read the second? Well, my um, my follow up before we move on was uh, The Five Bloods, which oh, I haven't the, watched it. Spike Lee. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the cinematography. I enjoyed the the narration style. Chadwick Boseman uh, was good, uh, and I don't know. I, I'm not a black male. I can't say I related to that aspect of the film, but I did find it interesting how they tie in. Like I, I didn't know. I don't know if this is factual or not, but 
throughout the movie, it's about this Vietnam group of soldiers that are uh, five black soldiers that are, are in a, a group together. And they're constantly getting radio broadcasts from the Vietnamese that are informing them about the civil rights movement while they're fighting against the Vietnam and saying, like, you guys are fighting for the freedom of a people that you won't have when you return. Yeah. And, and trying to, I don't know, de- demoralize. That did happen. That I, is real. That really did happen. It's crazy. They dropped pamphlets on them and shit, too. What movie was this? Defy Bloods. Defy Bloods. Defy Bloods. Yeah. It's a Spike Lee movie. He always likes to put some, like, hood-ass titles on his movies. <laughs> like, spelling things the way that someone would do in a text message. It's crazy. I don't know why he does it. But you know, maybe it's a representative of the black culture that I just don't understand. But he's really talented. He's always been, like, you know, one of the best filmmakers, I think. So, um, he's really interesting. And I, I hear The Five Bloods is, you know, really good. It made a lot of people's best of 2020 list. So. Yeah. I just haven't gotten around to it. All right, Brian. So good. That's a good run, right? So who wants to read the second, the second award topic here? I'll do it. Well, so we're doing worst of for the same topic, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, worst of worst movies. Uh, Jeff, do you, you want to just go ahead in the same order on that one, or? Sure. Uh, it's going to be no right, surprise Jeff. for me. Everyone who listens to this podcast can tell you exactly how much I didn't like Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, Man, I'm, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> Uh, I just didn't like the film. I, I thought it was wrong for, it was bad for all the wrong reasons, for reasons that should have been un- eliminated early on in the script phase. And uh, it was just, you know, had no reason to be set in the year that it was set. And, you know, it's just dumb. <laughs> Wait, now you have a problem with the year that the movie was set well, in? He had, a problem before. <laughs> he had a problem before on that. The, the movie, oh, I, don't remember. I don't know if I brought it up during the podcast, but Brian, I talked about it later, but um, the movie didn't need to be set in 1984. The fact that it was set in 1984 broke the canon from the first film, and if they had just set the film in, in 2020, the film would have been fine. Like, yeah, I get they wanted the nostalgic value of 1984, that's fine, but like, the nostalgic Explain value... the break in the canon. Well, the brick in the canon is that Wonder Woman goes into hiding after what World War II, and she isn't a superhero anymore until she gets pulled out of hiding because Lex Luthor finds a photo of her from World War One, and she doesn't become a superhero until uh, 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 Doomsday comes in. But apparently, she's been operating as a superhero for fifty years since then, Swing, and swinging she, a shiny lasso around in a mall and fighting on the, the highway and, and broadcasting to every single human on the face of the earth. So. Uh, like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that Batman and Superman. So don't. Batman couldn't find anything on her from all of that. Who are you? So if it they had just said that, hand. when he pointed that out to me, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, "Wow, that totally." What? How do you not see that like as an issue when you're making the movie? I mean, I did say that during the the last recording. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think that it is a bit silly. Although, I mean, I, whatever. I thought. I think it was interesting that they went with the 1984 vibe and then didn't bring in like Brother Eye or any of like the George Orwell style 1984. That's what I really thought they were going to do because Maxwell Lord is directly tied to Brother Eye in a lot of comic books. So they easily could have done that and done like a dystopian Wonder Woman has to fight like a corrupt government. But instead, yeah, I don't know. The more, the further and further I get from that movie, the more I'm like, maybe I was being too easy on it because I have a yeah, lot of you were really questions. easy on that movie. Shocking I saw. It. I almost I think... put it down, but I was trying to avoid too much recency bias in my answers. 
I think thought... this year has broken me a little bit because I used to be way more critical of movies. And this year I'm just like, whatever, we got a new movie. It was fine. <laughs> Give it a chance. Yeah. I'm... Give it a chance, guys. Stop being so mean to yeah, it. <laughs> I, I, I literally had it written down and I was going over my list with my wife and she was like, oh, it's Wonder Woman. And I was like, yeah, but I put down Soul and those both came out in the last like month. Like I need to find mm-hmm. something from earlier in the year. Like is the whole year just a black hole until December when – you know, things started to like, you know, cheer up around the holidays. Like, I, I don't know. All right. Well, that being said, Brian, what did you put for your worst? Uh, my answer was Birds of Prey. Another movie that I didn't really hate. <laughs> I, I could not stand that freaking movie. It was awful. Like, so, I, I thought it was just a, like, it was just a whole movie about, look, Margot Robbie, I think is great for the role, but I think the movie itself, like the chronology of, or whatever chronology of events was... Like, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me when Birds of Prey is supposed to be this group of, like, you know, women kicking ass. And then it didn't happen until the last, like, scene of the movie. Like, the whole movie was about her being chased and, and uh, Drunkly, you know. accidentally avoiding crimes. And and depowered because she's not with her boyfriend anymore. And, like, it just, it just seemed weird to me for a movie that's about women kicking ass and being able to be independent. And, like, a group of them coming together for none of that to happen until the very last like two or three scenes it just was like i don't know i I thought the movie was was slow and it was it was it was too much of the wrong thing but i I think she's perfect for the character i just think they did a a, a bad job with the film itself i think it's probably i had i had a i was looking at it through rose-colored glasses it was the first it was the last movie i saw in theaters and also the first movie i'd seen in theaters in 2020 i think um and I thought it was like totally fine. You know what I mean? Like I didn't think it, I wasn't coming out of it being like, that's an Oscar contender or anything like that. But I didn't have a problem with it in any way. I definitely had like, I felt like it had some structural issues, kind of like what you're talking about. Um, but I didn't, there was nothing that like glared, stood out at me. But then after you told me that you watched it and hated it, I think both of you guys told me that you watched it and really didn't like it. Um, I went back and rewatched it and found myself really, really bored throughout it. I'm yeah. like, man, this really isn't keeping my attention. Maybe there was something about seeing it on the big screen that kind of, it was also right after I got back from Iceland. So I hadn't seen a movie in like a few weeks. And yeah, know. well, and just to be clear, I think some of these answers are going to be impacted by the fact that COVID-19 was a down year for the film Absolutely. industry. And, and so like, this isn't the worst film of all time by any means, but at the same time, yeah. As far as films that I actually consumed as a new film in 2020, uh, this one was pretty far down there. I, I think that Harley right. Quinn had a ton of potential too. I think Margot Robbie busted her ass for this film. I've seen her do behind-the-scenes footage of her actual stunts. She did her own stunts in this film, and some of that choreography was phenomenal. Like her invading the jail scene and whooping on guys. Like it's amazing. Yeah. I just think I love that, that scene. I think I it was great. I think there's a lot of the film that was just poorly executed. Like Brian said, like the Huntress doesn't even get introduced into the film until the third act. Like she's just this nameless assassin and then she comes in and it's, it's such a poorly executed waste you know, of the time. The other thing that they played up a lot now that we're talking about it, I was almost like, does she have a superpower for like being lucky or something? Because like, there's like shit where she's like, <laughs> Ooh, a quarter. And then she yeah. like bends over and like a freaking you know, missile shoots by over her head or whatever it is. Like, and I'm like, what, like, what is the commentary on that? That like, she's only surviving because she's lucky. Like, or I mean, Harley Quinn in the comics has become like the female Deadpool. 
Right. And so you had to kind of look at this movie in that regard of like who she is in the comics. And if you watch the Deadpool movies, that kind of shit happens too. It's sort of madcap happenstance, you know, slapstick humor. Yeah, I, I, I just think if you don't do it cleverly, it just comes off like plot armor in like over overacting to me. Like she's like, oh, a quarter. And then, you know, whatever was about to kill her misses or like a guy punching misses or hit somebody else. And I'm like, are we in the Three Stooges now? Like, or is this a fucking, you know, like a, you know, top notch Hollywood film? And I, it just, it takes away from it for me. But again, like, I think she should continue to play that role whenever that role surfaces in a film. I just think that that movie was poorly made. Well, she'll be back in uh, Suicide in the Suicide Squad. Apparently, instead of adding two to movies now, they just add a the at the beginning. Well, it's of a movies, reboot, and it changes the what? It's a reboot. It's a soft reboot. It's got all the same actors in it with a ton more. Sure, but that's how all. Mo- I mean, all Wait, sequels have a ton more. So, in them. so the first film was called Suicide Squad, and they were like, "All right, what are we going to name this one?" And they were like, "How about the Suicide Squad?" Exactly. That's exactly what happened. That's incredibly annoying. <laughs> Like those two yeah, being next to each other on a shelf would be very annoying to me. Well, and like that they're doing the same. DC is doing the same thing with uh, Batman. The new one is called the Batman. <laughs> well, it's the same cre- like umbrella company. That's like, I know it's just, why are you her. adding? It's like if they did, instead of calling it Zack Snyder's justice league, they were like, let's call it the justice league. It's like a reverse uh, Facebook branding. Exactly. No, 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 that's not the Facebook. Drop the the, and yeah. just call it you want one, Facebook. One piece of advice: drop the the. Yeah, and this one they're like, no, 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 add the the. <laughs> one of the annoying parts is Batman has more titles out of anyone in all of comics. He's got like fifteen different nomenclatures that he goes by. The, the next Batman. one's gonna be also, a Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. So for my worst, I went. I have again. I have three on this one. Um, I have. Do we were only supposed to pick one. I know this is the only one that I really did this for. But um, I have Doolittle, which was a movie that uh, I heard was terrible, and then I was like, "How bad can it really be?" And I started it, and I made it an hour and a half in, checked how much time was left, and there was still an hour, and I just turned it off and watched something else. I was like, I don't even give a shit what happens in the rest of this movie. This is so bad. Half of Robert Downey Jr.'s dialogue in that movie is off screen. Like, it's not pointed at his face when he's talking, because they had to reshoot so much of it. In that same vein, Artemis Fowl was my second because of the exact same thing. They reshot so much of this movie that 90% of the dialogue is off screen because they had someone in a sound booth re- redoing dialogue so that they could do a different plot with the story, right? So it's a lot of pictures of people not talking and just reacting, sort of. I just and don't understand that how that happens. Sorry to cut you off there, but I have to understand. From my understanding, a film goes through various stages before you ever turn on a camera. It's the freaking storyboards it's like the well first the scripting and then right. storyboards so that the director and the cinematographer can yeah. get on the same page like like there's so many different phases of this thing it's like like I, i've got a journalism degree when you write an article for a major newspaper it goes through so many different reviews before it ever hits print like the whole point of that is to avoid you know retracting statements to avoid inaccuracies to avoid lawsuits you know, to avoid mistakes in general. In films, I, I was always under the impression that it was the same thing. And I just don't understand how this kind of stuff happens so often. 
I think it really comes from like studio interference where like they see the cut of the film that the director comes out with and they're like, no, this is not what we ordered. Go fix it. And then they have, but like you only have two weeks to go fix it. So you're just going to have to cut around certain things, use B-roll shots of people and uh, just do different dialogue to tell a different story. But they've and seen like, that flop over and over again. So at what point do they just say, I guess we got to stick with what we got or have a more active role in the production itself so that it doesn't ever get to a completed version that you're then dismantling? It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what was in the original footage? Was it just Artemis fell in the bathroom for an hour? Like, come on. <laughs> like, how could it have been so bad that they decide to, to, I don't know, studios just need to get the fuck out of the way. Give me Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Well, see, that's an unfinished film. It's unfinished. That's the thing, because that that I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little peek behind the curtain here. But a movie I'm gonna talk about later, New Mutants, is a movie that the director says this is definitively what I wanted to put out. This was my movie, and that movie was impossible to follow. Things just happened for no with no explanation. I actually like. And there's a reason that it had a lot of problems. The climax was poor, but I enjoyed some of that film. Oh no! Zero percent of that movie was no. a movie that I enjoyed. That's uh, it. Almost made wrong. my worst list, but it made a different uh, answer. Um, okay, and then my third one um, was Bloodshot for just being just a movie. Like it was just so boring. It was exactly what I expected it to be, which was nothing. So I uh, hope they Valiant Universe. Jared Leto is supposed to be, I think, Ninjak. Uh, from the Valiant universe, so maybe they can <laughs> figure it out, but he's also supposed to be Morbius in whatever the hell Sony is doing, so um, I guess we'll see. People are really hitching their horse to Jared Leto to carry on movie franchises, and I don't understand it. I watched Dallas Buyers Club. He was pretty good in it, but man, I don't understand what they are doing with him. Uh, but I that's all I have to say Jared about the Leto worst. fan. That's kind of surprising. You are? I uh, know. I thought you were. No. I don't like Jared Leto really at all. I think he's he can be a talented actor, but Tyler's I think favorite, that he's really Tyler's favorite Jared Leto role is when Brad Pitt's beating the fuck out of him. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's uh, it's not Brad Pitt. You're too blonde. Uh, Ed Norton. Yeah. Ed Norton beats the shit out of him. Yeah, I like all the movies where he dies, like in Lord <laughs> of War with uh, Nicolas Cage when he's like all addicted to cocaine and <laughs> he's like snorting like cocaine out of carpets because he spilled some and shit and then he like runs in front of the bullets when some people are going to kill some african people he just gets shot like 50 times and it's like way overdone it's not, i like that scene sounds like he needs to embrace <laughs> that and be the next sean bean where he's just like dies for the yeah. betterment of the film yeah that's what i prefer all right uh jeff do you want to read the second the second award so best show brian what's your pick uh worst show or best, best show best show uh, I put down Hunters. That's the Nazi uh, Hunter the Nazis, one on Amazon? Yeah, the Nazi Hunters. Yeah, I thought uh, that was riveting from start to finish. I thought they did a, a really good job of, of keeping that one just... I was at the edge of my seat the whole time. Every time we were putting on a new episode, I was jacked. And like I did not have that same reaction to anything else this year, I don't, I don't think. I think that one was just... Uh, for those who haven't seen it, um, it's... Um, closer to modern day. I don't know if it's modern, like 2020, but... No, um, no it's in the 80s. It's 80s, there you go. Oh, that's right. It's based on... That's right. Sorry, um, it's been a lot. 2020's been a some, long year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, basically, it's um, Jewish people in the 80s decide to start hunting down Nazis who have gone into hiding and kind of gotten away with their crimes from the 40s. 
in America. In America, yeah. And as the story goes along, they find out more and more that Nazis have infiltrated very deeply into like our government, our like our scientific programs. And the scariest part of it is a lot of that is true. It's factual information that actually happened. Werner von Braun was a Nazi uh, rocket scientist who ended up being one of the guys in NASA who put man on the moon in the 60s. So it's called Operation Paperclip. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's a mind-blowing read. But at the same time, I'm pretty the, sure that's the, a direct quote from the show. I'm pretty sure Logan Lerman turns to the camera and says, Operation Paperclip, look it up. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Like, I think I did in that moment and was like, wow, I knew. Oh, you guys weren't aware of it? I, I, very, very lightly. Like, I, I didn't realize how deep it went. And then all of a sudden, like, watching the show, everything seems like it's like, there's no way. But then all of a sudden you read it and you're like, whoa, it actually <laughs> happened. No, yeah, there's some really, really, really interesting documentaries on Operation Paperclip and, like, how far-reaching it was and, like, how it kind of led to, like, some of the systemic racism and, like, some of the problems that we still have in the American government because they kept it a secret and allowed for these fascists to kind of hold relatively high positions and have the ear of relatively high politicians, you know what I mean? And Crazy. It's really interesting. And it goes even further. It goes into, like, MK Ultra and some of those other secret like secret or like stuff that happened like that all stems from project paperclip it's actually really interesting yeah and the coolest thing about it was there was a massive plot twist at the end of season one and it still lends itself to you know you recognizing that there's plenty to continue to latch on to for future seasons even though there's a crazy bombshell plot twist at the end um too huge that i can promise you you will never see coming so jeff did you watch it as well i did i it's on it's my second choice for best show there's one show that i would put above it so i i didn't know you guys liked it so much i watched the first episode with kelly i thought it was really good the first episode was kind of slow but i really enjoyed it i thought al pacino was really good doing like a really good subdued performance from al pacino not a lot of yelling or anything like that so i thought that was really cool yeah yeah, and um, Logan Lerman, I don't know what it is about that kid, but like every time he's in a movie, I'm always like, I really like you, but you make bad decisions on your movies or something. I don't know what it is, um, but I thought he did a good job in it as well. But Kelly didn't, it didn't really grab Kelly, so we never went back to it, but I didn't realize you guys held it in such high esteem. Maybe I'll have to go. You're going to have to, dude. It's I'll have to go good. back and watch it. Um, Ted, so, Mosby's, Ted Mosby's in it. I knew that. I was going to say. Oh, he's uh, hilarious he too. He doesn't do a lot in the first episode. I wanted to see, like, does he do it? He's on, honestly, the thumbnail every time I'm on Amazon. You know, they, like, have an algorithm to pick the thumbnail to present to you that they think will make you click on it. It's always him. <laughs> it's always... He's, he's funny. That, he, Josh he, he gets some funny scenes in later episodes, too. Really? I enjoyed That's his good. character. It's good to see him have some, like, success outside of How I Met Your Mother, because I really enjoy him in How I Met Your Mother, so... Yeah, yeah Josh I, Radner. I'll have to... I'll have to go back and watch it. Um... All right, so that's that's your that's both of you guys or no, no. Jeff, my, did you say my best TV show is a TV show you guys have never watched. It's called My Hero Academia season four, dude. I'm an anime fan, and it's my favorite anime of all time. And season four was incredible. Really, yeah. it's your favorite of all time. Yeah, oh, damn. a lot I, of people have told me to watch it, so maybe I'll try to check it out. It's fucking amazing. The season three finale, I've watched it like six times. the The fight scene, the animation, everything's incredible. Um, it, but season four was great too. And that's my choice for best show of 2020. One of these days, uh, I'm just going to, we're just going to do like a anime episode and 
Brian and I are going to have to like spend a whole week just cramming a bunch of anime I've, I've watched so that we can relate. <laughs> I've watched over Christmas break. I've watched like four different animes. I'm halfway through Jojo's Bizarre Adventure right now. It must be nice to have that much time on your hands. Um, okay. So for me, my, my best TV show of the year was, uh, the queen's gambit. Did you guys watch this? Yes. No, right. Although I play chess no? every day. So you play chess every day now. Yeah. We have a, uh, a, chess board uh on our island in the kitchen and we literally just do it where you make a move whenever and then we have a pen that you just point towards the other person's side whenever it's their turn or whenever you've made your move and we just play chess throughout the day so we played like i don't know 20 different chess games in the last like week or two what's the record that's pretty fun what what's the record Uh, right now she beat me in the very first game and then i've just gone on a tear (laughs) kelly when kelly and i over new year's real quick tangent we went out to the coast in our rv and uh, on the Oregon coast, it was a full rainstorm, windstorm, like you could not go outside at all for the whole weekend. So we spent our whole time in our RV playing chess and Kelly kicked my ass for like 90% of the time. I finally got back into the swing of things and won like two or three games in a row and then was like, all right, we got to stop because I can't lose now. I got I to gotta finish on top. You're hurting my pride here. Do you um, not have... But the que- the weather app we do we knew it was going to rain but we didn't realize how bad it was going to rain i mean in oregon it always the forecast is pretty much always got rain you know and you get used to it like today the forecast is rain and it's so far drizzled twice in my area so we've already gone on a run and stuff like that but it was non-stop it did not stop raining the whole time we were there uh, until the day we left but anyway back to the queen's gambit uh it was really good all the way up until the final episode the final episode kind of lost me because there were just a few things that were leaps in logic um but as far as like making a movie or a tv show that's i don't know four or five episodes six episodes long that is just about a girl who's really good at chess they kept my interest the whole time um they make you really care about all of the characters they make you care about the story and uh it was really good um that's all i have to say i recommend it jeff did did you like it i I thought it was enjoyable i mean i thought it was a little ridiculous some of the characters they introduced they're like oh this is the bad boy of chess and i was just like all right this is so stupid like (laughs) just just play chess um yeah i thought that was funny too (laughs) he was like wearing like a leather jacket and a cowboy hat and everyone's like oh shit Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I enjoyed it though. It was interesting. <laughs> I love chess. It's a great time. I kick Brian's ass every time we play. Um, and it's fun. But I enjoyed the film. Um, I'm sorry. Can you back that up a second? What did you just say? Yeah, I was like watching Brian's screen there and he didn't react. A couple surprised. months ago, I think we were talking about it on the podcast too. Brian and I were playing an online version of chess. And I'm pretty sure I won like five out of six games or four out of six games. I think we played like three games and you won two out of three so congratulations, small sample size. Go ahead and re-download the app. Let's get the shit popping. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. Did you, anyone have a worst TV show of 2020? It's kind of hard to say because... Um, oh, uh, also, I just wanted to quickly say uh, Pen15 Season 2 was my favorite comedy uh, TV series of, uh, of 2020. Anyone else... Anyone have a worst... Uh, TV show? Yeah. I typically feel like, oh, you do? I, you know, it's going to be kind of confusing because I've actually recommended this show multiple times on here, but uh, my show that I put down because I, I felt it needed talking about, and I haven't discussed it since I've watched the finale, 
raised by wolves. Okay. And I got to explain myself because I actually don't want to retract my recommendation of watching it. I think it's very good. However, the last episode was completely confusing and I don't understand and I don't forgive you to the director. Um, it's <laughs> bring the cast swimming, back, like, refilm it. I don't forgive you. Like you and D and D like smoking cigars and talking about how to fuck shit up. Like what is your problem? <laughs> because I, you know, it's <laughs> look, the, the whole thing was great. And then like they start kind of leaning towards the thing and I'm like, they're not, they're not gonna. And then, weird dude like and i just don't understand and like i almost feel like i need to go back and rewatch and see if i missed something because what i saw was just confusing and um uh, i guess we already announced spoilers so spoilers turn yeah, it off and turn fine. it off if uh you know whatever but anyway the premise of the show very briefly is two or the earth is being torn up between a religious section and a atheistic section fighting uh fighting a war over the planet against each other. And in a last-ditch effort to try to save our species, um, a man sends a reprogrammed android, sorry, two androids. One of them is like a, an attack bot that he has programmed to be more motherly. And the other one is just straight up like a like a fatherly Charlie. android. But anyway, he sends them up with like fertilized eggs up to, um, I forget the name of the planet right now, but to our closest potential habitable planet, uh, I forget. Um, but anyway, and they start raising the children there and they're kind of like restarting humanity, but basically things start going wrong after a couple of years. And, uh, long story short, the religious sect that has, uh, like arcs, like the, like spaceship style Colonized, arcs. colonizing ships. That are yeah colonizing colonizing ships and one of them finds them on the planet and comes down and starts kind of fucking with their operation. Long story short, like that's kind of the main back and forth is between the two androids and yeah. the religious sect. Sure. The confusing part is right at the end. The female android that's kind of like the main character of the whole show. She gets pregnant from a from like putting herself into a simulation with her like where she can communicate with her creator she she somehow can like gets pregnant as an android and then oh okay. and then she finds out that she actually got impregnated by something on the planet somehow uh like a like a native species like some kind of like horrible man-eating creature and then she gives um. birth in the like the final scene to to a flying man-eating eel that just like she, they they basically try to kill it in the cli in the climax of the final episode by flying it up or flying it into the core of the planet, but they basically like the ship doesn't get destroyed by flying into the core; it just flies through the planet to the other side, and so they're like, oh shit! So they try to jump out of the ship and just like basically launch this eel into space, and somehow they all make it back to the planet surface, and it just shows Jesus. the eel flying around in the atmosphere, and the show ends. And I was just like. Dude, the, the gravitational, the gravitational force at the core of the Earth would crush that ship before they even get or anywhere the heat, near it. Like, yeah, like, or like the fact that it's not just empty; it's yeah. there's substance. There just like, happens to be one massive hole that. Okay, that sounds. But then this shit. eel just like goes flying out, and it's like this giant, like dragon-sized eel that's like, all right, time to go eat shit, and then boom, it ends. And I was just like, what the fuck was that? Like, I thought this was about. <laughs> I thought this was about like trying to 
you know, start life again and starting to show like the impact that religion can have and like nature versus like, nurture and the, the issues of blindly following, like, and not asking questions and like, you know, knowing yourself and knowing what's real around you. Like, and then all of a sudden they have this just evil thing. And I was just like, I don't understand that. Interesting. It, all right. So it's definitely the, it's not necessarily the worst show, but it's the worst ending. It, the last episode, I, I'm going to, I might need to go back and rewatch and see if I missed something that makes it make sense. Cause it didn't make sense to me, but the rest of the show I thought was riveting. So if there's 10 episodes, 90% of that show was awesome. 10% was awful. All right. Well, I was going to go off on a, a little tangent for a minute, but I'm not going to, uh, the worst show definitively of 2020 was big bang theory. Pretty sure it ended like <laughs> two years ago, but it was by far the worst show of 2020. I think it's the worst show of all time. I watched however many seasons of it it was, and then fell asleep during the finale and didn't even watch it. I was like, I don't give a shit. Oh, that, that show ends. I'm just I, glad I liked, it's done. <laughs> I liked the finale. The finale is decent. Uh, I hated that. You've show seen so the whole much. show, Jeff? Oh God, I, I will hold out. I will hold strong and not watch that show for you guys. All right. Best documentary or uh, docu-series of the year. Um, Jeff, did I, you watch any? No, I've, I don't watch documentaries or docu-series. Did you, you guys didn't watch Tiger King or nope. anything like that? Oh, no. Tiger King. I didn't even think about that. Um. All right, well then, Jeff, you're out on this one. I am out. Brian, what did you pick? So I put down The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. It's just really about how social media... Really is, good. Yeah, it's just how it's impacting our lives. And, and it's just showing not just, um, you know, the stuff that we hear over and over again about how social media is bad, but it actually does a portrayal of how it's addicting and how they, they hook you. And I thought that was so fascinating was like them showing like, how they, they like see what you spend the most time looking at and then they just blast you with that so that it drags you back and then all of a sudden they'll be like oh he hasn't uh he hasn't been on in a while how do we get him re-engaged and then all of a sudden boom they hit you with something from somebody that you spent a long time looking at their page like oh this person posted for the first time in a while and all of a sudden you're like oh i want to see what that is because they know that you're interested in it and like it's just like all these little like these bits of information about yourself you're saying they, but it's the artificial intelligence that Sorry. is just deciding Sorry. this. In, it's in creating the, this yeah. algorithm that just is keeping you looking at your phone all right. the time. In the documentary, it, it depicts it as these little men in this like operating room that are just like so their sole existence is about trying to get you on social media as much as possible so that they can profit on your screen time. And uh, but it is an algorithm that they're representing in the real world. It's literally a AI that is designed to keep you on your phone or your computer 24 7 if possible so and if any terrifying. of our listeners are wondering why we are so bad at social media it's because i manage the social media accounts and uh i already before this documentary came out was like a big opponent of social media like i really don't like it mostly because whenever i've had social media which currently i'm back on instagram um I spend a lot of time, like I'll just randomly get a text message from my wife and then 20 minutes later, I realize I've just been looking at Instagram for 10 minutes and I'm like, or 20 minutes and I'm like, how the fuck did I even get on Instagram? I don't even remember opening it because as soon as you open up your screen, my muscle memory clicks on the Instagram app and I go and look at that and then I'm like, I get lost for 20 minutes or I'll have like a very specific and basically they, this documentary talks about why that is and the most interesting takeaways for me were when what they for those who haven't watched it go watch it but the the idea is 
they get some of the people who were like the CFO or the guy of Twitter or the guy who created the like button on Facebook. Yeah. Like he was the first one to come up with the idea of the like button on Facebook. And the the guy who used to run Pinterest, he was like the CEO of Pinterest, made all the decisions of Pinterest. They're talking about how they regret doing the things that they did. Yeah, they're like, dude, this because, stuff is bad. <laughs> well, and they talk about how they created an algorithm to drive further engagement and then now realize that that algorithm has taken on a life of its own and nobody there really knows how it works anymore. Like it's just sort of doing its own thing and they're just monitoring it. And that's insane. Like they created an artificial intelligence that is running the lives of anybody who's on social media at this point. And they talk about, they're like, everybody imagines an artificial intelligence becoming like Terminator and like sending back in time and attacking us with guns. But what it's doing, what the artificial intelligence is doing that's that's destroying us it's is it's behavior. creating a division. It's giving the people who want to see super religious right wing shit. It's showing them only that. And so it's the only thing that they're seeing. And it's showing the people who are more liberal only that. And it's creating this division. And now we're at war with each other because we've it, we've allowed social media and the Internet to create such a defined divide between us that now we're just going to destroy ourselves. And it's the AI that they developed that they're just monitoring at this point because they don't know how to stop it. Yeah, there it. is no, there's no evil guy twirling his mustache in the background. It's literally their no. hands are off the wheel. It's crazy. We created something. They they say like we created something with the best intentions, and now it's we, we recognize that it is creating a massive problem in society, and now we don't know how to stop it because it's too far. Like we rely on it too much, and now and like they're talking about Gmail is in there, like Google, like email is the beginning of it of social media, and like. It was so mind blowing because it's like I've been saying these things for years, but to hear these people say it, the people who literally designed it and were in charge of it being like, yeah, we fucked up. We really fucked up. Like it's too far. We don't know what to do. Blew my mind. And yeah. like to see how it all happened, I mean, like they really lay it out in a time. It's just it's in, really interesting. In all, in all fairness, there was a civil war long before there was ever social media. Sure. Social divisions happened without and evil artificial intelligence. Yeah, but this this is one this is one that is it's per, pervading like it's pervasive beyond just you know uh, you and the people around you think in a certain way. It's literally like like your vision becomes so tunnel focused. You right. know, and the funny thing is, it's like I I, dro I dropped all my social media, and I, I the only one I really use beyond like very limited use is Reddit because it's anonymous and because it's really informational. But I realized recently that I was only following pages that I agreed with. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I need to grab some ones that kind of give me a more like a different take. And so I, I like I started following a lot of ones that were perspectives that I don't agree with. And it was literally just to stay informed and to understand what they're thinking and, and what they're, you know, vocalizing. It's just it's just crazy. And like even then, I would argue that I still have a pretty tunnel vision view of the world through that platform and to Tyler's point, fuck, there's, there's times where I will spend an hour on it. I'll close it out to do something else. And then I'll just open it back up again about five seconds later because I'm like, Oh, I should check. And not even again. realize that you did that. Right. That's the issue that I have is that I I'll just do it and not even recognize that I just did it. Like right. I, the first time it really happened, I was writing a, anyway, we're getting way into a whole other topic. <laughs> this documentary was great. My I God, honestly guys, forgot about it, it until really you posted important. it. Yeah. It's really important to and, go watch it. 
I, I genuinely think that everyone should pay attention to it. Um, for me, I think that one's probably actually my number one because of how much I've talked about it throughout this year. I just forgot that it came out this year. But for me, what I put was Heaven's Gate, the the Cult of Cults, Ooh, which I is a document. That. Of, I watched that. You watched it too? Yeah. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Uh, at the end, there's a twist with one of the guys who's been a former member. Uh, he says something that has stuck with me so hard that I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, quick spoilers. Uh, he says... I still fully believe in the teachings of T and Do. <laughs> it's been like 30 years. And he's like, yeah, I'm just waiting for my sign to join my T or my classmates or whatever and graduate. And it's like, oh, this guy's going to fucking kill himself over these beliefs still. 30 years later, he still believes this shit. That's insane. I don't understand. I thought it was really good. Um, I put Tiger King up there just because I think that it was really important from the time that it was released that we saw it you know what i mean like i think that they did a really good job of creating an extremely entertaining narrative of these crazy people um and it was really entertaining uh in hindsight i don't think it was that good of a documentary because i don't think it really focused on the parts that i like were more important yeah but it was extremely entertaining and got the whole world talking i think at a time where when you mentioned tiger king i thought for a second like oh maybe i should have put that and then i realized it wasn't that the documentary was all that great it was just more like the entertainment concept. factor and the fact that everyone else was watching it at the same time. And like, I was literally exactly. going into work in the middle of this, like the pandemic was just blowing up at the time. Right. And all of a sudden people Tiger were just King, getting sent getting home from stuck. work. Businesses yeah. were and just so closed. My, my role at work had just changed. I went from sales to service because of the pandemic. And so for me, like there was a lot of uncertainty going on, a lot of unknowns. I didn't really know what the next day was going to look like for a little while. And like being able to come in every day and like talk about this, this crazy tiger owner that was just so angry at his at his competition. Oh, and I think of the moment where he's he's filming his own commercial, and he goes, "Guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> I'm gay. I own guns. Oh, I'm a yeah. Republican." No, that was his presidential campaign video. That's what it was. Yeah, and it was just like, "Guess what, motherfuckers?" <laughs> yeah. And anytime I'm like frustrated and I'm gonna come in with some heat, I just want to yell that in that, in that accent. It's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> he's that, so that such show, a character. Yeah, that show was great for a different reason. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't think I would call. I almost don't even call it a documentary, like or a docu series. It didn't really feel. It was almost like a reality show. I feel like they could make a was. bunch of those. Like, there's a bunch of weird people out there that you could totally zoom in on their little stories and like. But it, was, yeah. it came at the perfect time. The timing of that one was phenomenal. Yes. Um, for worst, I want to quickly just say The Vow on HBO, which is a, a documentary about the Nixium uh, sex cult. The, I watched that too. I, the Vow was really boring. Um, I, it really felt. One. I watched one about the Nixium, but. Did you watch the not. one called Seduced? It was, was on it was the one that focused on the blonde chick that was like the celebrity's right. daughter. Is it the same one? They, yeah, that's no, that's Seduced. Oh, that okay. one was way better. Yeah, that, that one was, was only four good. episodes, and I liked yeah. that one. The Vow felt like when I we watched that one first because obviously it's on HBO, and I'm a huge HBO fan. I watch everything that's on there. So we watched The Vow. We made it through the first four episodes, and they were still just like not talking about anything. They were just going into the intricacies of the cult of like the main cult part you know what i mean the main organization and i was like i don't give a shit about this part go into like the sex cult and how crazy this dude is and shit and they're giving you nothing and the reason is the people who made the vow are really heavily shown and seduced to have been like really high-ranking members and 
they're being shady as shit. And the vow, the whole time I was watching it, felt like they were just trying to cover their asses. Like they were coming out and being like, no, 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 look, like we tried to save people. But when you watch Seduced, you see that they tried to keep people in the organization and they were high enough up that it really seems improbable that they didn't know that something weird was happening behind the scenes. Like it doesn't make sense to me that they didn't know. Um, anyway, I thought the vow was really boring and I think it focused on the wrong parts of the story. And if you're going to watch a documentary about the Nixium cult, watch Seduced. It's on who or it's on Showtime and it's better. All right. Um, Brian, you're out on this one. Jeff, best comic book of 2020 that you read well, I thought or it was, book. I thought it was comic or book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was book too. So I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking about Brandon Sanderson, Rhythm of... No, I'm kidding. I, it is my choice, but I, I don't have to go into it because I know I've already talked about it. If you haven't read it, read all is, four. So is it a sequel? Yeah, is it not a sequel or like a furthering in a series? Or it, what came is out, it? it came out in 2020. It's a book that came out in 2020. It's the fourth book. I know that, but... It's the fourth book of the Stormlight Archives. Okay. Um a massive franchise. I got my boss to start reading it. She, she's read uh, the first two books in the last like three weeks, which is insane because they're like 1400 pages. Um, so at least mm. someone listens to me. Dude, dude. I So Jeff bought me, just for everyone for context, Jeff bought me audio recordings. Uh, the first, uh, was it just the first book, Jeff? Just the first book. Yeah. And so it's like hours and hours and hours of audio recordings. And 44 so hours. I, so I don't have an excuse because you know I, I can now let it run. Sorry, it's like Jeff. forty-four hours for the first yeah. book. So, so I can let so I can let it run now while I'm working. And so, like, and I want to get into these books. Just to be clear, like with the amount of like table pounding that he's doing, like you know, in trying to assert that these books are the greatest thing of all time. And my background is as a big, big reader over the years. In recent years, I've really fallen off. So, like for me. Like, like I was totally, completely open to another uh, way of being able to consume it because I'm struggling to take the time to read. Uh, I'm like five hours in and I, I think I need to restart because <laughs> I've got patchwork stuff. But like while I'm working, like I, I like start paying attention to what I'm doing and then I start listening and I'm like, wait, what? Like, and I don't want to keep hitting rewind every five minutes to try to remember or like see what happens. So I think it's going to take multiple run-throughs of 44 hours to, to, to get it this way. Uh, might just be my ability to learn audio, you know, audio versus, you know, actually reading something on a page, but, um, but it is engaging so far. So Brandon Sanderson, go check him out. I'll, I'll back that recommendation at this point. So I think that audio books are best used like when you're driving, like if you have a long commute or you're driving on like a road trip or something like that, you would throw an audio book on because there's not a lot, a lot to distract you, uh, as far as mentally, Right. Whereas it's the same thing as like listening to podcasts. If you're trying to listen to podcasts while also reading or writing something, it's it's really difficult to concentrate on the words that someone's saying while also concentrating on something else. I do uh, want to specify. Right. I do want to specify the version of of the audiobook of Brian that I bought. Brian is actually from a company called Graphic Audio. It's not just like an audible audiobook where it's one or two people reading. It's a fully casted uh, book. Mm. And it's got a musical score. It's got sound effects. It's got uh, background noises. So if you're in war, you hear like the clamor. It's it's phenomenal. The downside is each, each book is like a hundred bucks. I got them on sale, but the first book was fifty bucks for fifty percent off. Uh, but Damn. it's it's That's phenomenal. Crazy. He's got three downloads. If you want to listen to it, he can give you one. Um, Maybe. Um, 
Yeah, I but, don't want to listen to it. That's my recommendation be for best book. <laughs> best comic book uh, is the one comic book that I'm actually keeping up with this year is Last God. It's a DC Black Label uh, comic book. Uh, premise is that a uh, group of heroes in a medieval fantasy setting set off to go save the world from a god that exists at the end of the world. And they go off on a quest. They come back and claim they were successful. And they get rewarded with heaps and benefits. They stop this this evil plague that is coursing through the land. And they become kings and queens of their new realms. They exist for 30-something years when the plague immediately resurges. And the truth comes out that they did not actually defeat the god. And now a new adventuring party has to go out and actually defeat the god while competing with not only the previous adventurers who are denying that they ever failed and the god's actual resurgence. Um, it's great. It's phenomenal. The lore is great. Uh, check it out. They're uh, like eight issues deep or nine issues deep now. Um, well, wow. oh, dude, I'm just that that <laughs> that synopsis really kind of highlights what that is about to me. The way that having you read it that way, um, this is this is directly a parallel to to right wing extremism. Are you guys picking up on that? It's it's an adventuring party coming back and saying they defeated this great evil like we did with the Nazis. And then 30 years later, there's a resurgence of Nazism and white pride. And now people have to go out and try to fight it on their own as the previous adventuring party says, no, 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 we fixed that. And they're like, no, it's still here. It's a problem. And they're like, no, 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 it's not. That's literally like this guy has to have been inspired by that. He has to be telling that story. That's very interesting. It actually makes me want to read the book more again, even though I already read the first volume of it and didn't really like it. But um, that's very interesting, man. That's actually that has to be what they were doing because that's too accurate to like what's going on in America right now. Yeah. Uh, sorry to anyone who doesn't believe that, but you're wrong. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the last God just enough. Um, for me, I have a couple. I have The Immortal Hulk. Um, this is a series that's been running for a few years now. It's really good. Um, I don't really really read a lot of Marvel comics, especially not a lot of Hulk comics. Never really been that interested in them. Uh, this series is uh, is very good. It's I've been reading. I read through most of uh, the stuff that came out in previous years and that I've also been keeping up with what's been coming out. Um, it's very good. Everyone should read it. Uh, Ascender, uh, which is a sequel series to Descender, which would have been uh, my best comic book uh, from a few years ago. That, that series ended. It's just Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Um, and Ascender is... So Descender was basically... Um, there's like a Star Wars-style galactic empire. Um, and then a bunch of robots lead a rebellion. The humans squash that. And then robots are kind of looked at as like the second class citizens then a second rebellion happens and it's that war for of humanity versus robots um and it's like i don't know seven uh full trades and then ascender is so that one's very heavily sci-fi ascender is after that and it's all fantasy on like a space world uh, on like a, a martian world it's like very fantasy swords and sorcery and stuff like that and it's uh, got the same characters in it. It's really good. So it's a mix of sci-fi fantasy. I'm really liking it. Uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth. I think I used it as one of my recommendations uh, a few weeks ago. Still thought it was really good. Um, and then 
one that I really wanted to quickly put out. A comic book that ended in 2018, but I just found it recently because it was it, they put it on uh, on for sale, and I was like, "What is this?" Bought it, read both volumes, and then found out that the book was canceled, and I'm so heartbroken that it was canceled because I loved it so much. It's called Outer Darkness. It's a weird mixture of religion and demonism and sci-fi um, in outer space, and uh, it was just it was so interesting. It was like Star Trek meets like some crazy demon shit like the exorcist i don't even know it was just it was so weird and so unique and i really really liked it um and i'm really bummed that it got canceled all right uh next topic do you have a worst video games do you have a worst book or comic book no when i when i don't like something i just don't read it that's how i, felt like if about, I don't like that's how i felt about tv what? shows but i will say from my friend who does love reading books who is extremely looking forward to ready player two she didn't even make it through it. She she had she said if she had it in a physical copy, she would have thrown it across the room with how disappointing the book was. So uh, maybe, yeah, maybe skip that funny. one. I think I, I think I brought that up in a previous episode about how people were really hating it. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't gonna pick it up. I was disappointed by the first one. So, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, moving on. Video game. Brian, what was your best video game of twenty twenty? I put down Fall Guys. Um, that's doesn't mean I think it's the best game of all time or anything. I just thought for this year, I thought it did a lot. Uh, the same for me that what we were just talking about with um, Tiger King. Tiger King. Like, I think that it, it just really hit at the right time to, like, be something that we can connect on. And I, the three of us, you know, spent, you know, more than one night, you know, jumping on there and just, like, screaming into the mics as our guy gets hit by a propeller off into the distance and, <laughs> you know, you know, screaming that you made it or that you've lost by one second to the last guy to qualify. And there's well, – we had one pretty memorable night where if you've never played, you play through five rounds of different uh, obstacles that are meant to, like, make it really hard on you to finish the race. And you race against, like, 60 other players and you got this little guy that's got limited movements and you're trying to get to the end. Uh, and in the last round, it's like the championship round. Whoever wins that race is like crowned the champion. And there was one where uh, I think the two of you guys qualified for it and then qualified for the championship round and then literally photo finish right at the end. They have to jump off this ledge out into the abyss to grab the crown. And Tyler is there like point two seconds. <laughs> like it was right before Jeff, maybe one second before Jeff dives misses his dive and jeff gets the crown and, and we're on the mic i wish we had that mic'd up because we had both the first and second place guy right there and it was just freaking hilarious and then i had another night where i had a buddy over and he's he's just got a lot of energy and i put him on the game and he was doing the one where you have to have a tail uh by the time yeah. the clock hits zero and there's only so many tails and he's just like jumping around jumping around and with like Two seconds left. Somebody takes his tail. I thought he was going to throw my controller into my TV. And then the next time, the next time he came over, I put him back on it, and it happened again. <laughs> and he was just like, he had it the whole round. He had a tail, and then right at the last second, somebody takes it. And you hear this like little sound of the tail getting taken, and he just like, oh my god! <laughs> and I just every time I think about it, it fucking makes me cry laughing because. Uh, that, that was a game I think that was much needed uh, with the pandemic. Yeah, and it was light and it's easy. Even my wife, who hates playing video games, she like went, you know, she had broken her leg 
uh, early, around that time of the year and uh, we put her on it and she she liked it. She had a good time playing it. So it was fun to see that. Um, Jeff, what did you put for your best? Uh, I had two. I, I said that my top overall was the Final Fantasy VII Remake. I never played the original PS1 game because I don't know where my power cord is for my PS1 and I don't know how much it costs to get the old one back. But um, yeah, I had heard great things about Final Fantasy VII. I I'd played Final Fantasy XV and when Final Fantasy VII came around, I'd, obviously, I'd been exposed to Cloud through the Kingdom Hearts franchise and I was blown away with the storyline and I looked into the storyline of the original game and I like the direction that they're taking this game in comparison to that one. Um, and I liked it so much that I just bought the, uh, the cloud strife action figure version two from the square Enix store, uh, 12 inch action figures posed by my bed. That's the 12 inch that you got. Yeah. Sorry. I can't believe you got a 12 inch cloud. That's so big. Does he have a huge buster sword? That's like also a foot long. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Yep. that's too big i, I you, also you ordered for that. i also i didn't realize it was 12 inches when i ordered it but i also already <laughs> ordered uh tifa and sephiroth so they're coming too so i'm gonna have three 12 are they also can, 12 inches i believe so i can't imagine that they would oh, make those sets differently shit dude that's like what is that like four square feet or something like that that you're taking up with just cloud with those and like sephiroth's sword is like twice his body length i don't that's know how crazy. long it's going to be in the, in the model but um yeah, oh I enjoyed God, the game so enough, funny. and I'm super looking forward to to the second because they they split it up into two or three parts. We don't know exactly how they're going to do the the rest of the story, but part two is coming out like next year or the year after, and I'm stoked. Um, and my runner up was Spider Man Miles Morales. I loved the first Spider Man mm-hmm. game, and Miles Morales was more of the same. It was a blast. Uh, I loved it. Interesting. Well, for me, uh, I didn't play a lot of games that came out this year, so the two that I really played are make up my best and my worst. Uh, for my best, I put uh, Ghost of Tsushima, a game that I didn't even finish, but it was a really good game while I was playing it. I still have it. I could still finish it. Um, I just struggled with the combat. It was taking up too much time to just try to get good at the blocking mechanism and the fighting mechanism because it is so slow. Um, I really struggled with it, but I I really enjoyed exploring the world. It was incredibly beautiful. And I'm just going to jump right into my worst. I think it might be the worst for everybody here. We'll see, but uh, I put Cyberpunk 2077 as my worst just because it was so disappointing. I mean, you listen to previous episodes of the show. Jeff and I are just talking about how excited we are for it to come out and how we want it to get keep getting pushed back so that they release a finished game. And what we got is an unfinished game. I haven't even played it in like I don't since the last time we recorded. Like I have not picked it back up just because I'm like. I come home and I'm like, oh man, I should really play that game. And then I'm like, I don't really want to deal with issues or bugs. There's no reason to. I mean, I I literally put it down and I haven't played it yet. Like I, oh, you bought it? No, I put it. I put it down on my worst, and I haven't even touched it. Uh, I haven't. I see. What what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, there's no reason to pick it up right now if it's not finished. Like, let them roll out patches. Let them roll out updates. Let them fix their game, which they will. And then that's what I said about Anthem. And then I never went back to Anthem. Is Anthem fixed now? If you picked up Anthem today, would it be an awesome game? Well, An- Anthem is kind of inherently <laughs> a Anthem is kind of like a an inherently a multiplayer experience, and there's no multi no one else is picking up the game. There's no reason to go play it with other people. No one went back. Yeah, Bioshock fucked that up. Um, 
That's not Bioshock. I'm pretty it's sure it's Bioware. Bioware. Bio Bioshock is a game, a game series sorry. that Bioware. is actually really good. So don't ever say anything bad about it. It's a really good game. Three set of three games. Like that's I, the best game of 2020, even but, though it came out like five years ago. <laughs> I came like out 10 years the ago. reason why I put Cyberpunk down was because of the bad press and from hearing from you guys, I've just felt like it was the only one that we really needed to talk about. But um, I am stoked for in the next few months finally get my hands on a PS5, and the first two games I'm going to buy are Valhalla. Assassin's Creed, which I'm saving for that console, hopefully, and uh, hopefully Cyberpunk if it's ready to go. Like uh, those are going to be yeah. the two purchases for me I mean, because you I might not see even on the new console. I, right now, the biggest disappointment of 2020 is how CD Projekt Red handled the launch. Like the fact that they turned around and quarreled with Sony, and now no one can even buy it on the PlayStation Store. Not that anyone wants it right now. Is just a huge, huge concern you can't buy for the, the game developer. Right now? The, you have I don't to buy think it in it's, person, right? Yeah, I don't know if GameStop will sell it to you, but Sony, last I heard, was issuing refunds themselves and had deleted the game from the store page. Yeah, so so we'll see. It's it's at some point they're going to roll out a version that's playable and doesn't have the issues. I think they have to. They put too much work and effort into it. But uh, you I don't know, know, dude. Anthem didn't come out with anything since, and nobody's playing it. Like I don't, I don't know, man. When you have like such a botched launch like this, like, if it's not good at launch, people do not come it's back gone. to video games. Yeah. I yeah, will that's say not this. how it works. I, yeah, well, I'm I, I'm still looking forward to them rolling out something that's fixed. Like whether people come back to it or not, I'm not playing it for multiplayer. I'm playing it to play a kick-ass game. So I yeah. have a feeling that they're going to fix it, and then I'll just enjoy it. But I mean, there is no multiplayer. There, there, there <laughs> will be. Fine. CD Projekt Red said that they were in development of a Grand Theft Auto Online type multiplayer server experience. But whether or not that's still in the works, I mean. CD Projekt Red had so much momentum coming off Witcher 3 going into this game. They had no reason to fuck up the way they did. It, honestly, Which is another game that I played this year, Witcher 3, and it was great. It's genuinely an incredible it's, game. It's, like, it people looks consider amazing. it one of the greatest games of all time. So how they went from that to this is is dumbfounding. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. I don't so, understand yeah, what happened. But, it's, yeah, I wanted to correct you there. The, the biggest disappointment of 2020 wasn't uh, Cyberpunk, I don't think. I think it was the PS5 uh scalpers nightmare that is ongoing the fact that i can only buy a playstation right now for about fifteen hundred dollars third from third party that's not the scalpers problem that's sony's problem with their i mean we can get into the why the ps5's development was so poor but that the fact is there just wasn't enough ps5s to go around if sony had developed ps5s i see pictures on the internet all the time with dudes that got 20 of them that they're fucking hawking like that look i'm not trying to blame one part or the other but the whole issue was the disappointment of 2020 i think the fact that you know, how many months after rollout? When did it roll out? For uh, it was like November, right? Or a little earlier? Late, late. late yeah, but dude, I mean, they're releasing something in this year where people are not working. Like they can't put as many people in the factories to roll these out, right? Like they tried to do something in a year that, like, it's right. just. I want I think a PS5. this year. Really, <laughs> I think this year really led to a lot of disappointments, unfortunately, of things being unfinished. The, right. The funny thing Which, here is that microsoft the reason why sony tried so hard to get development is that microsoft had already been in development of their consoles and then when microsoft released their specs sony had to change their specs to compete and then they had to then bid against microsoft to get the components to build their pieces so they were late to the game with development and then COVID hit and manufacturing shut down that's what happened the funny thing is I don't think anyone owns an Xbox Series X anyway. <laughs> I don't know anyone yeah, that anyone owns buy one. Any of those? Like, I feel like everyone's made the switch. So I don't know. It's interesting that that Microsoft won the manufacturing war, and I don't know anyone that owns one. Um, but yeah, 
the other yeah, runner up for worst Xbox. <laughs> the, the the runner up for worst video game for me was uh, Avengers. I was waiting for the reviews before it came out for me to pick it up, and the reviews were terrible. And that's I, another one that I'm like really disappointed by because I would, dude, I wanted to play. It. I want, I wanted it. I wanted to like that game. I really was excited about it, and then the reviews came out, and everyone was like, "Fucking skip it." And I think I read an article recently that was like. 98% of the people who were on the game are not playing anymore. Yeah. Like it had a 98% drop in like five months. That's insane. It suffered That's from so a, crazy. It suffered from such a short story mode. The, the, the heroes were underpowered. It was, there's so much to complain about. They, they introduced so many characters out of their Marvel roster that were not superheroes. They like they had Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, and it's like, yeah, those characters are cool. Like you want to throw on Black Widow and Hawkeye, that's fine. But people want to be superheroes. People want to be fucking Thor and the Hulk and and these massive strong characters. Like why are you adding humans when you've got Dude, if I if I want to play an archer, I'm gonna go back and play Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. Or I'm gonna go back and play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like, like those characters, those games where there's already a bow and arrow character, and it's way more interesting. Those characters have a time and a place in a comic book setting where they can fight ground level villains but if you're gonna fight gods you need gods and there was a lack of power and and their handling of thor and hulk the fact that they can take down enemies just as slow as black widow can it's like okay if black widow can kick these guys down at all then hulk should be able to rip their fucking head off in half a second why are they taking these guys down at the same time um like they tried too hard to balance the game when it shouldn't have been as balanced as they made it they wanted their their but i don't know i can talk about avengers for a while but that was my runner-up for worst game we didn't even play it and it made the list. I, I agree. I mean, that was, that was, I mean, for video games this year, I don't even know if it's worst as much as it's just what a year for disappointments in video games. Like there's a reason I didn't play a lot of games from 2020 and it's because every single game that rolled out basically got bad reviews. Nobody was like, the only one that got good reviews was the one I didn't buy because it seemed too similar to the previous game, which is Spider-Man Miles Morales. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, God damn it. I didn't want to pick it up because I didn't want to buy, play the same game again. But Ghost of Tsushima now I also, wish I had just bought that. Ghost of Tsushima got amazing reviews. Yeah, that's true. It's just you know, that's and I did play that one. And I liked but it. Fall so Guys, though. Fall Guys is Dude, great. Have I, like you guys, Fall guys I played Fall Guys. I played Fall Guys last week. That shit got so hard. They made that game it so much harder. It's fucking might, impossible. Might be time for a remix. Dude, I was getting slaughtered. <laughs> remix. You know the I'm matching game? Jump on today. You know the matching game where you have to like stand on the fruit as the timer counts down? They added yeah. propellers to that. So now you have to jump over the propellers while you're trying oh to keep God. track of the fruit. And it's fucking impossible. <laughs> Hop down. Everybody on fall, guys. Let's go. That's messed up. That's, yeah, that's dude, a game you can continue to go back to, I think, just to have some laughs. If we have any listeners who want to play, hit us up on Instagram with your gamer tags and on PS on the PlayStation Network, and we will jump on with you. Hit me up with Starlight um, Chronicles theories. Yeah, also that. Okay, uh, <laughs> the next um, the next part of our list here was uh, was something actually a little bit different from what we typically talk about, but I did want to give this a quick shout out because it is part of pop culture, and that was best music of twenty uh, twenty. I don't have a worst here because it's in that same realm. If I don't like something, I just don't listen to it. Um, but uh, I'm going to start here. My best album of 2020 came from a band I'd never heard of. Um, it's an Australian pop punk band with a female front uh, lead singer uh, called Stand Atlantic. Um, and they released a new album this year called Pink Elephant that I really, really liked. It made my 
It was my most listened to album of uh, 2020 on Spotify. Um, I really enjoyed them and uh, really enjoyed it and went back and listened to their back catalog um, of albums and uh, enjoyed pretty much every single one of those too. So that is my number one. Then I had a quick uh, runner up here, which is After Hours by The Weeknd, which uh, Blinding Lights off of that album was the number one most played song of 2020 on Spotify across the board, like worldwide. And there's a reason for that. It was a great album, very inspired by the 80s and uh, just all around a good album. All right, going on to the next person. Yeah, so I don't- Who wants to jump in? I'll do it, I'll jump in. Um, I don't I don't listen to a lot of music that is new. A lot of the times I'll spend up listening to my own playlist from, you know, that I've cultivated over the years. But I did discover a uh, Scottish rock band late in 2019 called we were promised jetpacks i'd recommended this to you guys before and they've come mm-hmm. out with music in 2020 so i do get to recommend them as a 2020 artist they're incredible cool. um they're amazing I, I love uh their lead singer's got a great voice um they're great uh on top of that i did hear a song the other day i was commuting with the co-worker uh and because i was in his car uh we were listening to his radio and i heard a song by all time low released a new song called monsters and uh, it wasn't half bad. And so I did. Uh, yeah. And then the other person that released the music that I absolutely love that I can't recommend enough, my most listened to artist in, in 2020 who has released music in 2020 is Frank Turner, the, uh, the English uh, singer-songwriter. Uh, he's a phenomenal. Plain Sailing Weather is, has easily become one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, and everyone needs to listen to it. I listened to like for two weeks straight nothing else interesting um all right those are some good recommendations of uh, artists that i don't listen to so maybe i'll check some of them out brian what do you got uh best i have renewed my love for 21 pilots and queen i know it's a little bit uh, of a weird uh combo there but 21 pilots came out with a song called level of concern which has been my freaking pandemic anthem I only found it in the last like three months of 2020 and it was like in my top five on Spotify for the whole year. Um, Brian played it three times just in the amount of time I was at his house on Christmas. It's good. (laughs) The music, like the whole, like the music video is them like sending a flash drive in the mail back and forth to each other to like make the song. And I was like, bro, this is pandemic like central right here. But anyway, uh, level of concern by 21 pilots and 21 pilots in general is awesome. Um, And then, uh, we went over to my mother-in-law's house and watched uh, Queen at Live Aid, um, the video on YouTube, and I just started listening to Queen after that, and the song I'm stuck on is Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. is freaking amazing song. Bohemian Rhapsody is amazing. Actually, pretty much everything they've ever made is amazing, but... Yeah. Queen don't... is probably my favorite band from that era. I talk about how much I love Freddie Mercury so, so much good. that I can't even watch Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, because I'm just... Oh, that's good. I can't... Nope, I won't watch it. I just, there's no way that they're going to do, like, it's one of those things it's where good. there's no way I'm going to like it because it's I've read so much about it, the it's, band and him. It's a good movie. Because I believe you, but done, I'm just not going to watch it. They've done studies where they did brain scans on people while listening to music to see how much endorphins got released. And Don't Stop Me Now is technically considered the happiest song of all time because more endorphins got it's released wow. by that, during that song yeah. than any other. It is so good. And, and you know, the yeah, funny thing that, is, oh, sorry, Tyler, go ahead. I was going to say that live aid performance uh, every now and then I'll just think about it and I'll just pull it up on YouTube and just watch the whole thing. Yeah. We, just, just, we just had a lot of hanging out. We're just talking and watching live aid. He's, he's amazing. But um, 
that song, I, Jeff and I have been playing Elite Dangerous. Uh, if, for those who don't know, spacefaring uh, exploration mining. <laughs> for those who don't know, have not been listening to previous episodes because yeah. we can't stop talking Dude, to Elite Dangerous is my favorite game, I think. I, I'm starting to think it might be my favorite game of all time. But anyway, uh, playing that with uh, Don't Stop Me uh, Now on in the background is pretty incredible. I'm not going to lie. Maybe <laughs> the soundtrack that shit into the game because it, it fits perfect. Oh, that's funny, but um, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, right. uh, am I should I say my worst, or are we not there yet? I didn't, I didn't do a worst. Yeah, no, um, I've, got, I've got a great worst, so we can go ahead and okay, talk about it. What's uh, your worst? WAP is <laughs> awful, and like fuck you to the people who made that song because my wife won't stop singing it. Oh, I like it. Cringy, dude. It's cringy. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I was gonna do. I had a funny moment this morning because I wanted to mention uh, Takashi Six Nine, that that yeah, dude with the that, rainbow yeah. look. I wanted to mention him for his documentary, but I haven't seen it yet. I want to watch the Takashi Six Nine documentary on Hulu, but I haven't watched it yet. Why? Um, it just seems—it's an interesting story from him going from, you know, uh, controversial rapper to snitch to now he's back being a controversial rapper. I just kind of want to watch the documentary. Do but... you like his music? So no, I, I thought it was—I thought it was super annoying. But then this morning when I was going through my list, I put on one of his songs because my wife didn't know who he was. And the song starts going, and he's just screaming into the mic when he raps. And, yeah. and my wife goes, actually, that one's kind of a banger. <laughs> and I was like, actually, yeah, kind of. And like, and then I put on the next one, and it sounds – all of his music is the same, by the way. Yeah, I don't but, like his music at all. But at the same time, the talent. beats – no, no, his rapping sucks. But the yeah. beats behind it kind of slap. So like I was laughing because I was like, all right, I'm just not going to put him on there. But – that dude is is cringy. Uh, the, his lyrics are cringy, but I'm gonna go with WAP because it was such a like a viral thing when it first came out. I don't understand that song. Like it's like it's like wrapped in a way that they're like women are taking their sexuality back and they're empowering themselves, yeah. but at the same time they're really more talking about themselves being like like a high class like hit it and quit it piece. Like it didn't really seem like. Yeah, but they're saying that they're the ones that are hitting it. Right, they're, they're that's the why, ones. That's no, why they're it's saying a feminist park anthem. your Mack truck in my garage. They're not saying they're hitting it. They're saying hit it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they have the part of the body that needs to be hit. Right, it's, it's, <laughs> it's more about the seduction. Saying, like, it's it more just, about it's, the seduction I'm, than the seducer. It's it's like they're, they're saying we're the ones in control. I, yeah, yes, exactly. You don't even have a choice about what you're going to do. Yeah, right? I, I she's know. like saying, like, you don't have a choice. We're going to fuck because I want to. I don't care about you kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's I, that, guess, I get yeah. it. I, I feel it. And I honestly, I think that the, the instrumental is tight. Like, I like that. There's some hoes <laughs> in this house. <laughs> like, I walk around my house saying that shit. Yeah, and then the <laughs> Kardashian it. chick that just literally, I was like, is this chick That music video right makes no sense. Yeah, I, was I was like, like oh, is she about, about to jump in? on? Yeah, and then she just walks down the hallway. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't there get some that really good memes. Weird. There were some really so, good memes surrounding that video. So before we move on to most disappointing, I, I wanted to see if Tyler had a good answer for this one. I was just thinking about this earlier. Do you have a best podcast in 2020? Because I've got one. Uh, 2020, I've really listened mostly to um, that the podcast that I listen to weekly. I didn't really listen to a lot of uh, documentary series ones. Um, I listened to Dr. Death Season 2, and I'd say that that one was disappointing because Dr. Death Season 1 – was probably one of the best podcasts I've ever, the true crime podcast I've ever listened to. So interesting and fully gripping all the way through um, for season one. Season two was just kind of like, uh, this guy did some sketch shit. And it was like, oh, okay. Like, that's all? That's all you got? And like half the episodes of season two were follow-ups to season one. 
And I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's not why I'm listening to this. <laughs> I'm listening for a new story. Right. And you're just talking about the old story. So anyway, that I, I didn't, that's off the top of my head. That's what I would say is my least favorite. Um, best would be, I don't know, Weekly Planet, which is basically the, the impetus for this podcast. It's uh, two guys from Australia talking about pop culture stuff. And I was like, my brothers and I could do this. And so we did it. So I'd say that's probably the best. It's the one I look forward to. Do go on another Australian podcast, which is three comedians telling stories to each other. I don't know. Sure. Those would be my, Brian, do you have my one? two best. Go ahead. Best podcast. Um, when I'm not listening back to our stuff, I, um, I, I, I listen to dynasty football, like fantasy football stuff. So probably something that most people listening won't relate to, but um, the dynasty nerds, fantasy football podcast is, is entertaining. Sure. I, I discovered a podcast very recently, so it might be like a recency bias, but uh, have you guys ever heard of the podcast 36 Questions? No. So it's a, uh, a musical podcast that is that is just a podcast. It wasn't a musical first. It was a, uh, And the concept is it's a failing marriage that tries to use the 36-question survey that makes people fall in love to save their failing marriage. And it's Jonathan Groff. The, the, he's in Hamilton. He's... Uh, mm. Yep. Famous musician, and then it's an up and coming star. In... He's in Glee as well. Jonathan Groff is also uh, in Mindhunter. He's the yeah. main character in Mindhunter. Yep, he got to yeah. start on Glee. He's really good. He was, he played the king in uh, Hamilton on the original Broadway cast in, in Hamilton. Yeah. And then he's, he's really good. He acts uh, beside his his wife is played by an up and coming star named Jesse Shelton, and it's pretty good. I'm on part one out of, oh. out of the three parts. I was like his wife, his yeah. uh, but his wife in the show in, in because the show. he's gay, I think. But that it's uh, it's great. I really enjoy it. I've really enjoyed it so far. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's sad because it's about a failing marriage. But I like sad things. We've covered that. Um, <laughs> I thought I was the emo one in our in our. I'm so well, I'm still positive. Movie. I just like sad things. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Well, I'd say that that's a good one. Um, all right, so uh, our final uh, topic here to wrap things up um, is. Uh, I put something that you wish was from 2020, but wasn't. Are and we going to cover? Most... I should have been more clear here. What are we, we going to cover? Most disappointing stuff, or? Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, we can do most disappointing. Let's do most. Yeah, disappointing. we already did that. Cyberpunk and PlayStation Five. Moving on. Uh, uh, well, I meant uh, most disappointing movie um, for me. Um, I have uh, Tenet on here. It is a movie that, again, we talked about a lot on this podcast before we were able to see it. And then when it came out, I was just under so underwhelmed that, like, I I just, I, I, it's a movie I haven't really thought about since. Whereas, like, Inception, I still think about that movie all the time. Or, like, the Dark Knight trilogy, like, I still think about those all the time. Tenet, I'm like, washed over me, didn't give a shit about it. Every friend end. that I've talked to has told me, like... Yeah, I watched the movie. It was kind of entertaining. The action was fun. And then I read about the film and it was good. And I was like, yeah, you shouldn't have to read a book to understand the film. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um, and then Wonder Woman 1984 was my runner up. And then New Mutants was my uh, second runner up, which is just it just wasn't a good but movie. I would say and... my most disappointing film of, of 2020 was I'm thinking of ending things. Just because, mm. like, I, I had some high hopes going into that film, it looked like a good psychological thriller, and then it turns out that the uh, director of the film decided not to include the final plot twist of the book and leave the ending open ended, which made no fucking sense. And I walked away from that film going, "What the fuck? <laughs> Why?" Um, I don't yeah. know. 
I was annoyed. Um, all right. And then the final one here for us, um, something you wish was from 2020, but wasn't. Um, I think that uh, I wasn't clear on this before, so we'll see if my brothers came up with answers. But that is a movie that you watched in 2020 that came out in a different year, but you wish you could recommend on this list as the best of um, this year. So um, did, did you guys come up with answers on I, this? I did, but why don't you go first? Okay, for me, I put uh, The 13th Floor, um, which is a movie that I talked about previously. Um, it was a movie that I think just came out before its time. It came out in 1999 and has a very similar premise to The Matrix, which is um, it's dealing with going into a simulation and then being unable to distinguish the simulation from real life. Uh, and it is... Um, it's very Christopher Nolan-esque, it's very uh, Matrix-esque, and I think it got really bad reviews uh, at the time, but it is really worth people going and watching. And then uh, I did a runner-up as uh, The Thing, which is a movie I don't need to talk about because everybody loves it. I just was really late to the party, and now I understand why everyone loves it. I think it was really good. Um, Jeff, what do you got? Sure. Uh, mine's not a movie, it's a TV show. Um, but the content that I wish had been released in 2020 is X-Men, the anime. It's also my recommendation for this week. Uh, it just got added to Netflix about two weeks ago. Apparently in 2014, they made an anime X-Men TV show, and it is phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> it is extremely fast-paced. It's only 12 episodes, and it is fucking incredible. It jumps in. Literally, first episode is the Dark Phoenix Saga, the, the conclusion of the Dark Phoenix Saga, and it picks up right from there, and it's like, holy shit. Literally, the first scene is, is Jean Grey going full Phoenix, and you're like, oh, I'm in it. Like, um, Maybe some of the, the people who don't understand the comics would have a harder time, but me being a, a well-versed X-Men fan, I was into it from the start. Um, <laughs> one of the things this X-Men anime does is that it captures the team dynamics from the comics perfectly, much better than the films ever did. I'm not saying the films were bad, but I'm saying there's a team dynamic of Cyclops being the leader and the other people leaning on him that is just not captured in the films ever. And this one, Wolverine's in it, but he's much more of a side role. He plays the role that I think he should always play, which is the <laughs> loud-mouthed muscle berserker that doesn't get to make a lot of the decisions. He's just the one that when the fight starts, he finishes it. Uh and, you know, Cyclops is, is kind of one of the heads of the show. But it's great. It follows, uh, after the Dark Phoenix Saga, it follows a new content series uh, that is not discussed in the comics. But it's, it's great. Um, Interesting. And I wish that it came out in 2020 because then that would mean that they might be able to renew it and get a second season because apparently they canceled it after one. Um, mm. But it's great. And they also apparently released uh, a Wolverine anime on Netflix as well that I haven't watched because Wolverine's not my favorite. But I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, I was going to recommend it on the last podcast two weeks ago, but we skipped over the recommendations. All right, Brian, did you have something on this one that you watched in 2020? But um, Nothing from like the distant past. I mean, I, I just looked up. I, I went a different way with this answer. So like, you know, well, just... we can just move right on into that next part and wrap the podcast up. Then if, if you don't have anything, we that's can fine. Yeah, I, I can I can pull something out. But, you know, let's just move right. on to the next one. All right, so the final one here that we're going to wrap up with is uh, what we're looking forward to uh, most for the next year, for 2021, for this year, I guess. Um, so, Brian, what did, you, what did you put down for that? Yeah, so this is where I went with what I wish had been released in 2020. I thought we were talking about ones that got pushed off, and I put down Dune. Uh, Dune was supposed to be released in November. Um, looks freaking awesome. Um, 
the book itself, it's based on a book. Uh, the book itself is in my classics collection that I have. I uh, haven't dove into it yet from what I understand. It's about like, you know, space and, you know, future civilizations. And, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I know uh, the main character looks like as one of Tyler's, you know, or Tyler's uh, pick for next Leonardo DiCaprio. So, yeah, that means it yeah. can't fail Chalamet. or whatever. So. Timothy Chalamet. Whatever. Yeah. And so it looks awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, other than that, uh, I wish the Olympics had been released in 2020 and we could have watched that. <laughs> <laughs> 2021 is going to be a hell of a year. It's going to be a hell of a year. If, if it all works out, I guess. Right. Um, Jeff, what are you, what are you looking forward to most? I've got two answers. Uh, one, it wasn't delayed, but I wish that it'd come out because I just want to fucking watch it, which is the invincible Amazon TV show. It's just going to be incredible. I mean, the, the comic book is one of the best comic books ever. And from what I can tell from the source of the, from the material they've released, it looks like they're knocking it out of the goddamn park. And I just, it needs to get here sooner. I need all the seasons yeah. out tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm hoping they do like hour-long episodes so I can just live in the world a little bit. <laughs> and and um, the other one is the video game Elden Ring, uh, Dark Souls combat with George R. R. Martin's lore, and it's going to be phenomenal. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, so just to wrap it up real quick, I'm going to say uh, Dune is really high up there on my list as well as far as movies that I'm looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's Denny Villeneuve who uh, cannot miss, in my opinion. I've liked pretty much every single movie he's put out. Uh, I even went back and watched some of his older movies, and I like all of those as well. Um, so that's really great. But for me, my number one here is Horizon uh, Forbidden West, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a video game I've talked about quite a lot on here without talking about it. Um, I just mention it all the time. I really loved Horizon Zero Dawn. I could not put it down. Uh, when it came out and I didn't know that they were going to do a sequel to it and I'm really excited to see uh, what they do with it so yeah that, those are our uh, looking forward to what we have to look forward to in 2021 as John Oliver um, said I want to hunt giant robot dinosaurs with a bow and arrow and I want to do it now yeah wait who said that John Oliver he said that in his he said that in one of his oh. episodes that's so funny. That's literally how I feel. I'm like, I just want to hunt some giant robot dinosaurs. It is so fun. And like the creature designs are cool. And like the, the, the fight, like sometimes you're fighting a panther and it's like really, you're like running and climbing trees and setting traps on the go. And like, it's really crazy. It's just, it's just a really fun game. I really loved it. Um, so yeah. Uh, otherwise, um, Jeff, you said you had a, you had one last recommendation. I don't have a recommendation. That was, That's pretty much everything I did in 2020. So that was the X Men. That was the X Men anime. I found a way to, to loop it into the content. So. Oh, okay, great. All right. Well, thank you for listening all the way through. This is a way longer episode than we usually put out. Um, so thanks for sticking through it to the end. If you did, you can follow us on Clever Kids or at Clever Kids Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Get in touch with us. We really love to hear from you guys. Um, let us know what your gamer tag is if you're on PlayStation and we will play video games with you. Honestly, you'll probably just take my place when my brothers play video games with you because I don't play video games that much, but I will jump on from time to time and try it. Um, otherwise, uh, have a good week, everybody. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone.